This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 11th, episode 1232. This episode is brought to you by the American Endurance Ride Conference. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me Well, good morning, all you long-distance riders, and thank you for joining us here on Horses in the Morning. It is Karen's Day, second Tuesday of every month. Karen stops by for an endurance chat, and I don't know, we might be talking about a little thing called Tevis. Today, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, was quite a Tevis this year. Congratulations on finishing 22nd, Karen. Thank you. We had an awesome ride this year. It was incredible. 198 started. There were 90 finishers, which was a 45% completion rate. And we finished. That's about average, right? It's about normal for Tevis. Yes, it's it's about 47% normally. And it it was Bo's fourth Tevis and my sixth. And you always finish in the 20s, don't you? Most of the time, I have finished now um, with Bo, 22nd, 23rd, 25th, and 32nd. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, so you're it's all within You're at the range. same speed every time. Usually, usually between 2 and 3 in the morning is about when we get in there. And this was our fastest time so far. And he is now one of at least five horses that I know of that have gone on to complete the Tevis after having colic surgery. Yay! Good for Yay, Bo. I know Bo. he's come back and he's doing awesome. Although I have to say, before we get on with the main part of today's show, that we do have the quote of the week because we had an opportunity to pre-record this interview, and <laughs> this is the reason that all of your endurance friends are listening. And here is just a little taste. Potato. <laughs> I watch for you on the trail, but I don't have eyeballs in the back of my head. Oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Karen, potato. I watch for you on the trail, but I don't have eyeballs in the back of my head. There you go. That gives you a little taste of our chat with Potato. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up later in the show. Of course he won for the third time. I mean, he's 72 years old. He won for the third time. He started, what, 22 times, he said? 23? Somewhere. Well, he lost actually, count, I think. I think he's finished 22 times. Oh, well. It's not too shabby, huh? 
It's not. No, that's pretty good. It's, this was the 60th year for Tevis. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be talking a lot about Tevis and the show coming up today, but we have some other stuff for you, too. And uh, Jennifer is not here. She is actually off doing other things, trying to get other shows done this morning. And we oh. had an opportunity to get a couple of interviews in ahead of time, so we did that. We have them recorded for you today. But uh, I'm going to find out. First, we'll find out all about Karen's, exper- Karen's experiences at Tevis. We have an endurance tip for you. And then coming up, we have some of the North American Junior Young Riders with us that were over in Kentucky. We have Kelsey Russell and Annie Whelan. Is it Whelan or Whelan? Whelan? I think it's Waylon. Waylon? Yeah, okay. Well, Annie's coming up. Uh, (laughs) They'll both be with (laughs) us talking about the uh, young riders that happened in Kentucky. There were some Durrance riders over there, too. And then Potato will be joining us. You're not going to want to miss that interview. And then we have a couple of the ladies from the AERC are coming on to talk talk to us about the Trail Master and Trail Grants programs and also a membership special. All of that on today's show. Karen has it booked up. I do. You do. You have it's going to be fun. Up. All right. Well, let's get down to business here. I and this is so funny because on your sh- oh first, let's just hear that again. I I just have to play it again. I'm just sorry. <laughs> I, Karen, I watch for you on the trail, but I don't have eyeballs in the back of my head. Oh. <laughs> so, that is definitely the quote of the week. Um, so so Karen sends these notes over and says, "Oh, I went on the Gold Country Fifty, the final test ride before Tevis." And nobody cares. Let's talk about Tevis. So, <laughs> so now Tevis. Let's you know a lot of our listeners are new, and we talk about Tevis every year. We've had the winner on for the last like five years, um, and we're going to have the winner on again today. But tell us about Tevis. I mean, you start at what time in the morning? We start at five fifteen, but we actually go over and give our numbers and get into our assigned pins at about a quarter to five. So you're so it's rolling a long, out of there really day. early, and then you got in at 2.08 a.m., so that gives everybody right. an idea of how many hours that butt was in the saddle. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And more than, I think about half of the riders out, out of the 90 that finished, half of them or more than half of them finished in the last hour. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's, okay, so they were getting in at what time? Between about 4 and 5.15. So they're out there for 24 hours, basically. Or more. Or or more. Or more. And now when we finish and we do our final vet through, we have to do another, like, another recheck on our horses just to make sure that they're still okay, like, an hour after our first vet check. So that means that some of us are staying up, you know, an additional hour longer to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So... Do you sleep the whole next so, day? So yeah, then? it's a long, long day. Um, no, not really, because you have to get up and take care of your horse, or go to the awards, or head home, or or whatever it is that that we're all doing. And, and it gets hot in Auburn the, on Sunday after the ride. So by about ten o'clock, it's it's too warm to sleep unless you're in, you know, you have the luxury of a hotel room, but most of us want to stay where our horses are so we can keep an eye on them. So it starts warming up and, and we're not really sleeping. I mean, we're kind of like zombies. I called the, um, when I was moving around the whole week after Tevis, or at least for for the first half of the week, I called it my zombie shuffle. (laughs) 
I was kind of moving more like a zombie than a living human. (laughs) Could you walk the next morning? You actually could get up? I did. Well, you have no choice because you've got to get up and take care of everything, which is probably a good thing because, yes, most of us would just be out, you know, for the count. (laughs) So how was it this year? It was the 60th anniversary, right? It was. Okay, so it's the 60 years they've been doing this, and we had a, a few more entries this year because of that. Um, but how was it on the course? Was there anything they mixed up? Did they do anything different than the other times you've been out there? Um, well, they did do something a little different. They were doing blood draws on the horses and they actually analyzed the blood while you're in your hour hold at Robinson's flat, which is about a third of the way into the ride. And then your crew needed to go back about 15 or 20 minutes later and pick up a card and you either got a green card saying you were allowed to leave or a red card saying they wanted to recheck you. And I got a red card. And I was like, ah, you know, because that's the last thing you want, you know, because that means that something in the blood, you know, alerted them to the fact that they wanted to recheck your horse to make sure everything was okay. So I went back and I rechecked and my horse's supposed CRI was great. And he, and he looked still just as good as he did when he first vetted. So we were given a green card and allowed to continue. Um, one of my friends said that they had heard that like half of the horses were getting red cards and having to recheck. And for me, it was no big deal. I was lucky enough. I got in there early enough that it wasn't that crowded yet. So I was able to get out on time. A lot of the riders that had to wait in the vet line a lot longer because it was more crowded when they got there ended up going over their hour hold. Some of them went, you know, quite a bit over. And so then that ate into their trail time, and, and we had 20 overtime pulls this year. And the year before, I looked, and there were only about five overtime pulls. So I think that might have contributed. We also had a rider that was injured, and a helicopter had to come and land. And they weren't they were holding all the horses from leaving that check for the helicopter. And so some people got delayed because of that as well. You know, so I feel really bad for some of those riders that had those delays and had it affect their rides. But other than that, it it went good. Do you think the blood thing was being that there were so many getting the red cards the first time, do you think the blood was actually off or the testing was being an issue? I'm not really sure. You know, I'm thinking they're just being as cautious as they can, you know, thinking that, you know, maybe if we give more red cards, the the riders are going to be a little more cautious and, you know, take better care of their horses and avert or just, you know, keep them out of trouble. You know, I know that's what they want. They just want well, the welfare of our horses. Right now, after the and, worldwide publicity about endurance, I'm sure that is a big concern on everybody's mind. It is. But on the other hand, this also really stressed out a lot of riders unnecessarily. And it also caused a lot of them, their horses to not get the brakes. You you know, they're not getting to have their full break if they're having to go wait in a line a second time to be rechecked. Right. So, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get it streamlined and working a little bit better. A couple years ago when I did the Tevis, uh, and they were doing the blood work studies then, uh, I don't remember this kind of an issue happening. So I don't know you know, exactly why it happened. I think they may have had some trouble with the equipment or maybe it was just all those horses at once. But whatever it was, it was something that they're definitely going to have to work out 
and and um, so it doesn't happen again. How was the trail itself? Awesome. It was just, it's such a beautiful trail. And I think that's why so many people keep wanting to go back and do it over and over. It's just incredible. The views and the scenery, it's technical. It's, you know, it's challenging. The horses love to go over it. And, and when you're riding a horse that, you know, enjoys it like that, it's just a, a great ride to get to do. And I, you know, I know how um, just privileged I felt to be able to just get to start again, especially on Bo. I mean, it was a really big deal for us to get to go and do this ride again after I almost lost him, you know, last year well, I gotta with tell the you, colic. We, speaking of Bo, we posted a couple pictures of you doing Cougar Rock. Uh, mm-hmm. We have new Cougar Rock pictures now. And I know. We posted a couple pictures there on our Facebook page. So if you go to Horses in the Morning, you'll see Karen and Bo climbing Cougar Rock, which, which by the way, makes the most incredible pictures ever of an endurance ride. Doesn't it? Yeah, I love those really pictures. And, and the photographer was really good this year. They were great. And, and the two different photographers got us at the same exact moment from two different angles. And it's really Really cool. And then he, uh, Bill Gore suggested that I get the enlargements done on a metal enlargement. Oh, okay. And I just like got him yesterday. <gasps> Is it cool? It, 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 it's actually, yes, it's, oh my gosh, they are gorgeous. Just the colors pop and it's just beautiful. Just beautiful. I mean, they're just, uh, the scenery, you're right, from up there, from on top of Cougar Rock where you are, is just incredible. I mean, the pictures are wonderful. And and you can always tell it's Karen because she's got her bright orange renegade (laughs) boots on. Those look like the glue-ons this time. Is this the first time you've used glue-ons on all four? Well, I've done it both ways uh, on Bow at Tavis. I've used the strap-ons and finished, and I've used the glue-ons. This year, I did the glue-ons because they were expecting rain and we actually did get rained on. I don't remember ever being rained on at Tevis in the morning in the early part of the ride. I've been sprinkled on later, but not in the morning. And the boots were just perfect. They were flawless. In fact, later after I got home, I took them off and they still did they did not want to come off. <laughs> Well, and I did, and I didn't want to bend over to take them off either. But I did. Now, with that, like with those renegade boots, do you put them on the night before? Or do I, what? How do you do that? I did. I put them on at home before okay. we went up to Roby Park on Friday. I put them on, and uh, that way it's you know quiet and clean, and you know once you get up there into camp, it's a real dusty camp, and there's a lot of stuff going on. We had bears in camp. Oh, really? There were, there were. I, I need to get you a picture they of that. To there do was Tevis a, on the anniversary too. <laughs> they did well. They decided, I guess, that they liked our horses' mashes, oh. and they were going into horses' pins. Oops. The mama and the two cubs, because uh, I came back from pre-riding bow, and, and uh, a couple of people said, "Hey, be careful! There's the mom is over there, and the two cubs are over on the other oh, side no. of the road." <laughs> so I just promptly turned around and went the other way. I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> thank <Oops>. you." <laughs> <laughs> Oops. That'll upset some, some Arab horses. <laughs> yes, we don't need that. So, uh, but that was still pretty cool. We we had a lot of wildlife sightings this year. Another friend had a, uh, I believe she said it was a cougar, leapt oh. right in front of her. Oh, wow. In the early part of the ride, you, you know. And then I was going along, trotting pretty good on the um, the loop out of Chicken Hawk, and it 
deer came crashing down the trail right in front of us. And Bo just instantly slammed on the brakes and stopped. Otherwise, we would have actually collided with the deer. It was that close. And thankfully, he didn't spook or we might, you guys might still be looking for me. <laughs> Well, I got. We have to give a shout out to to Laura Spear, who uh, I think we had on your show or one of the shows here. Was it your show? Your episode with her with her spotted appy. Uh, I don't think so. Well, it was on one of the other. Okay. Uh, I think it was on Horses in the Morning, but it was one of the other shows then. Okay. Uh, Laura Spear has a spotted appy, and she came in number thirty-seven on her app. It's oh, an appy. Good, half congratulations! Era. Very spotted, and uh, we talked to her ahead of time, and I'm sure she was very proud. She's out of Oregon, actually. Um, oh, good. So, congratulations, Laura. It was good. Uh, great to see. Great to see color showing up at the end there. That was good. You had another quote too. I have a quote. It's by Bernard DeVoto. And this is kind of cool. I think it sums up the Tevas ride for a lot of us that have done it. And this is the quote. What they had done, what they had seen, heard, felt, feared, the places, the sounds, the colors, the cold, the darkness, the beauty, till they died, the stream of memory would set them apart. If imperceptibly from anyone but themselves from everyone else for they had crossed the mountains wow that does describe what you guys just did right (laughs) (laughs) it does and the memories you're gonna have well let's talk let's go right into your endurance tip we got a lot more tevis talk coming up throughout the show uh but uh your endurance tip kind of revolves around that right it kind of does, and it's about getting through the vet checks and getting out on time because, the, as I mentioned before, we had 20 overtime pulls this year, so every minute on Tevis counts, and you have to, to ride so that you allow for for detours and things to happen because that's a normal part of a ride like Tevis. There's always going to be backups at some of the vet checks or you're going to get stuck behind riders on the trail where, where it's not easy to pass right away. So you need to practice and plan ahead on how to get your horse through the vet checks on time and, you know, becoming just aware of what time it is so that you're ready to go when when your out time comes there. So, you know, it's critical, especially at Tavis, when you go into the vet checks to get your pulse right away or as soon as possible and not to wait around. Because if you do something like stop and run to the bathroom or let your horse eat, you know, five or 10 or even 15 horses could come in and get in line in front of you. And now... You know, you come back and you're ready to vet, but now you just um, inadvertently cost yourself several more minutes. And if you do that three or four times during a ride like the Tavis, it could cause you to go over time and not finish. So it's important, you know, to pay attention and be aware. Try to get your pulse as soon as you can. Get through the vet checks right away. At Tavis, they usually set it up at most every check where as soon as you vet through, you keep going so you don't come back into the 
the vet check where all the new horses are coming in, you, you're at the other end of it, but they also have food and water and volunteers at that other end. So if you come in and you vet, you go to that other end, and now you can take care of your horse and leave your horse with the volunteer if you need a restroom break and get your water bottles filled and take care of your horse. So, you know, and then at the vet checks, there's a couple where you can have your crews. So it pays to have your crew to come and quickly help you get your horse's tack pulled, get the pulse down, have them check your horse's heart rate before you go into the pulse box. And that's something that if you rehearse it and practice and everybody knows what their jobs are, you can get it down you know, as good as you can so that you can just sort of sail right through those checks because every minute counts. You know, we do something on, uh, on most days here on Horses in the Morning called a Daily Winnie, right? Um, and I'm going to do it right now. And we, the Daily Winnie's kind of a shout out, a thing of honor to get on the show. So we're, Karen and I are both going to give a Daily Winnie to all the crews that were out there because Yay, it's, crews. it's also a big, long day for them. And, <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of responsibility on the crews because you're not going to finish without them. So good on all of you for out there helping. And you can give a shout out. Why don't you give a shout out to your own crew while you're here? I had a great crew this year, you know, and the end result showed when the horse finished. There's a video of Bo trotting at the finish, and you can see me jumping up and down because <laughs> I'm so <laughs> excited. But I think that is the ultimate tribute to my crew because it showed they did everything that needed to be done to get Bo through looking so good. I mean, I totally, uh, you know, owe our successful finish and the horse finishing in such good shape to my crew because they worked their butts off. And I know some of them were overwhelmed at times. It's a hard job and I really appreciate them. They were now, great. Do they travel so, from vet check to vet check or do you have separate ones at each vet check? I did a little bit of both. Um, in fact, one of my friends I shared a crew with, she crewed for potato as well as me. And, you know, so that was sort of cool because obviously since he doesn't have eyes in the back of his head. <laughs> what was he, that again, Karen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, there, it, it worked out. She was there to help him. And then, you know, a couple hours later when I strolled in, <laughs> she was there to help me at one of the checks. And so that worked out really good. <laughs> I think he finished at, what, 10 o'clock? <laughs> With his winning time, it was ten. He something. did, yeah, um, yes, yeah. Well, uh, that, that's a terrific tip, and you know, we talked about boots and renegade boots, and you're going to talk about that a little more, I think, uh, with uh, with our distance depot segment that we have coming up here. So why don't we why don't we head off and do that a while, and then we're going to come back and we're going to switch gears a little bit off of Tevis to the North American Junior Young Rider Championships, and then we'll be heading off to talk to Potato. Good morning and welcome to the show, Kristen. It's good to have you back. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. And today we're going to talk a little a bit about hoof boots and some of the tools for maintaining our horse's hooves and some of the supplies you carry for uh, riders that they can use to glue boots on if they desire. So let's right. start a little bit about your different boots that you carry. Okay. Well, we do offer a complete line of easy care. Um, it seems they come out with boots all the time. Um, new boots, um, lots of new boots in the works, but um, 
I think today we'll focus pretty much on the Renegade, the original Renegade that um, has been out for many years that so many people really like. And, of course, we do offer the new Viper hoof boot as well. And tell us about some of the sizing and colors that they're available in. All right. Well, I think the original Renegade pretty much is um, measured. It can be measured metrically, but also um, in inches, uh, which makes it handy. Um, they come in a variety of colors, black, um, orange, a gold, a jade green, and I think a burgundy blitz. I'm not sure if I've missed one. Red. Right. I, yes, I think there's seven or eight different colors. That many? Okay, that many. <laughs> Which is great. Um, yes, and then the Viper has a, a, you know, pretty limited color. Um, they do have, I think they have the new emerald green and the cosmic orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, those are done in the metric sizing, um, which, and as I understand it, and you may be more um, aware about these, I'm not terribly familiar with the Vipers, but I believe they um, have a new sleek look, and they are a little bit lighter, and mm-hmm. um, they're open in the front, whereas it has a little slit in the front, so it allows um, for a little uh, bit of closing the front of the boot in if you need that sort of thing. Right, also, they fit a little bit different shaped hooves, I think, yeah, than the traditional ones. That, is that correct? Um, I believe it's also for more rounder hooves, but right. also if they don't have as steep of an angle, I think they seem to fit a little bit better. Yep, and I use the original. I haven't used a Viper yet, um, but I use the original on our guys. They work really well. We just love them. I use them mostly in the winter, um, mm-hmm. but I love them. They work great and stay on well. I think fit um, on these boots is key. If you get a proper, properly fitted boot, it's going to stay on very well. Um, whereas if you're having trouble with fit, um, the Renegade folks are awesome at um, leading you in the right direction. I know Ashley Wingert and Gina and, of course, Kurt and the rest of them are fabulous with all of that information. Right. And the nice thing I have found with them is that you don't want them to be too tight. They should not be difficult to put on, That's which right. is what, you know, you really appreciate that if you're riding day after day on a ride or a trip so that, you, you know, you can get down there, put them on or take them off quickly and be done with it. You don't need any extra tools to, you know, get them on. You don't got to do any extra stuff. They just go right on how they are and, and work. Yeah, they really do. And once you have it sized, so when you get it initially, you size it um, by the little cables on the side. And they make it very simple. Um, and, and the little tool that they give you, the little Allen wrench, um, makes it really simple to get it adjusted. And pretty much once you have it adjusted, you're good to go. Great. Well, let's move on to the glue-on type of boots um, and tell us about those. So essentially you're dealing with, if you're gluing on a boot, you're dealing with a shell um, which just um, slides onto the hoof, is glued on. And I think the whole key to gluing is preparation. All of the companies say preparation, preparation, preparation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Getting that hoof, because it has so much moisture in it naturally, getting it dry um, and prepared to be glued is is the hardest thing I think folks have trouble with. But once you have it prepared well, um, we offer the Adhere Glue, which I think most of the folks are using um, to glue their boots. And then we have a variety of sole packs by um, Vettec and mm-hmm. um, a Sikaflex, um product, which you can also use. 
but we have several different types of sole pack. I use the medicated one actually inside shoes in the summer if I'm shoeing, but um, I like that one. It can be glued into the sole, and I like the fact that well, while it's in there, it has the medicated um, properties. But they have mm-hmm. a clear and also a soft, um, so depending on your situation, they offer those for different um, applications. And you carry all the tools that somebody would need to glue a boot with? Yes, we do. We have the dispensing guns, um, both for the ad here and also um, uh, for the smaller um, CC guns, that uh, uh, tubes of, of packing, if you will, um, that are out there by Detech. But um, and and we also have a, a whole line of tools by Evolutionary Hoof. And if if your listeners haven't um, seen these or used these, I will recommend them highly. Um, the radius rasps that are out there. There are two types: the original, which is kind of a finer blade, and then the radius rasp two, which is very similar to to what your farrier would use if he were trimming hooves. But these do automatic Mustang rolls. They're excellent for uh, my horse, for instance, grows very quickly in between trims. So, mm-hmm. you know, in four weeks, I'm able to take my rasp and just trim it down a little so the boot continues to fit like it should. Mm-hmm. Um, he grows very fast. My husband's horse is fine. I don't typically have to rasp him unless he gets a little chip. But this just is so much easier than a, a traditional rasp. And I know I'm probably not the only gal out there that has a hard time with one of those big rasps, but... These just make it very simple. And there's nice hoof stands and sole and bar rasps if you're a little braver and need to take off some of the sole. Um, But these tools are just so easy, uh, user-friendly. I can't say enough about them. Okay, what's your website address? We are thedistancedepot.com. And if someone needs to reach us by phone, our number is 866-863-2349. And we do have a catalog that you can request as well. We'd be happy to send one out to you. Well, terrific. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Karen. Well, we appreciate Kristen being a regular contributor to the show for so long. They've been with us for a very long time, and I know they're one of the premier companies in the endurance world. So it's good to have them around and uh, helping us out. You want to introduce our next guests? Yes, the North American Junior Young Riders Championship was held on July 16th. And we're going to be talking to two of these young ladies that competed in the event, Kelsey Russell and Annie Whalen. Kelsey is attending Virginia College and plans to go to vet school after obtaining her business degree. She finished fifth in the Young Rider World Championship in Tarbes, France, and won the Uh, North American Young Writers Championships in 2011. She was the youngest person ever to make the senior WEG team in 2014. And Annie is still in high school and is obsessed with horses. She is placed first in the Southeast Junior Division two years in a row on the horse she rides that she calls Legs. Well, welcome to the show, Kelsey and Annie. It's great to have you on, and, and we're looking forward to talking to you about the North American Junior and Young Writers Championships. How are you guys today? I'm good. <laughs> okay, Kelsey, let's just start with you a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about your background with horses and how you got into riding. Okay. Well, uh, horses have been part of my life for my whole life. My grandmother and mother had them growing up. Um, my aunt, who I was more heavily involved with horses before I started endurance, 
Um, I was doing Western Pleasure and barrel racing and the Western style riding. And then six years ago, I met Valerie and Larry Canavy. They own a farm right across the road from me, and I took care of two of their horses through the summer, and I started riding with her when she came back the following winter, and she, uh, Lucy Snook actually introduced me to Valerie, and when she came back that winter, she kind of took me under her wing, and that's when I started doing endurance. And how, how old are you now? I'm 19. Wow, and wh- what age did you start riding horses? Uh, well, I've been riding my whole life, but I started endurance when I was 13. Oh, good. And how many miles have you racked up? An um, estimated in competition, I think it's around 2,000, but mm-hmm. I log in about uh, 150 a week training. Wow. And Annie, tell us about you and your background. Um, I've basically also been riding my whole life. Um, my mom has been riding her whole life, so... Basically, when I was um, eight, I started, or when I was seven, I started uh, begging her to let me ride. So she let me start mm-hmm. riding. I started riding when I was seven, and I started endurance when I was eight. And how how old are you now? I'm fourteen. I I have about I have I just reached two thousand ARC miles um, after the Young Rider Championship, and I think I have like three hundred fifty LD miles. Okay. <clears throat> Tell us about the Young Riders Championships. Um, Annie, let's start with you. Give us just a little bit, you know, tell us a little bit about the event and how long it took you to plan and prepare and, and get ready to go and compete at that level. Okay. Well, actually, when uh, in 2012, I went to the Young Rider Championship there just to, we were volunteering. And, um, I really liked it. I was still kind of in shock because I didn't know anything about that you could compete at that level as a young rider. Um, so I, me and my mom, um, basically we had, we set our goal that when I was 14, I would start doing it. And, um, so last year, actually, I was my sister's groom because she got qualified on Stag and Cheryl Newman's horse. And so then I was like, all set. I was like, yes, I want to do it. And so the next step, we were like, what horse should we do it on? Because my mom has um, two that are at FEI level right now. But we, at the time, I couldn't handle them. So I had um, actually been basically a free lease, one of Don and T. Mooton's horse legs, the one I rode. And so we didn't think that she was going to, she had soundness problems before we got her in 2012 and so we were like oh she's we don't know if she's an option or not but I have over a thousand miles on her mm-hmm. and I've done my first I did my first hundred on her so we're like well we might as well um try to shoot for it on her since she's been doing so well so we did all of our did my first FEI ride my one star which is 50 miles I did it the first week of January um, in 2015 this year. And we basically, we've done uh, two two stars, which were the requirements. And I got my CSC, which is uh, the certificate of capability. Like you have to do it in a mm-hmm. um, time. Certain time. And uh-huh. um, yeah, it's about 10 miles. You have to do kind of like an average of about, I think nine, 10 miles an hour. So we got that, which was great. And then, 
I, um, a lady let me ride her horse at Biltmore since I did not take legs, and so I got my last qualification there, and then I was qualified for the Young Rider Championship, and I was so happy. That's, that's terrific. Kelsey, tell us a little bit about this championship. How many competed and, and just a little bit about um, the whole event itself? North American Junior Young Rider Championship is kind of like a mini WEG for the, our continent. Um, it helps the young riders be able to get an international experience while still being at home. So we get to go. We can see all the other disciplines. They can come and watch us. We get to socialize with other disciplines, learn what kind of training they do, um, how they prepare their horses, how different it is from ours. And it's a really great experience because we make a lot of friends and it's really nice to be able to go and see the other disciplines. They can come see us, and it really prepares you for like the wake experience when we're it's all like a over little mini Olympics, isn't it? They do a good job there. Yes, it is. They do a fabulous job. Yeah, it really is. Now, when you guys do your rides, are you, you're obviously heading off property. Are you using like the WEG track? What are you using for your ride? Yeah, well, Emmett Ross was the trail coordinator, and he put it together, and he had a difficult time this year because of torrential downpours right before the race. So in hey, the 11th that sounds hour, familiar. It was that way in 2010, <laughs> too. Was... Yes, it was. So um, with the some private landowners were very grateful that uh, Emmett knew them, and they allowed us to ride through their beautiful farms. So we were routed through um, private property as well as some of the property there on the at the Kentucky Horse Park. Okay, so you got to ride through some of the most beautiful farms in the world on your ride. Yes, we did. <laughs> That's great. Looking at, at the thoroughbreds, all looking at your Arabs going, what are they? Why are they? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Are you both on Arabs? Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm on a half Arab, half saddlebred. Oh, cool. Oh. Yeah, and I was on an Anglo, which is, she's half Arab and half thoroughbred. Is the uh, saddlebred cross uh, know what gates uh, they want to do? Does that one three gated or three and a half? Um, n- no. Well, she's just she just uh, moves out like an Arab. She doesn't. She actually doesn't really look saddlebred at all. But she's sixteen hands. So oh, wow. about 16 hands. So that's wow. um, why. That's kind of the advantage of it. They get taller. We really like them. So, so it's like when you're driving a pickup truck, you're looking over everybody else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, she's actually, but, yeah, so the height really helps. And she's really, she has a huge extended trot. So she can move out really big at a trot. So I didn't can her quite as much. I mainly trotted. <laughs> Well, now we got to know the final verdict. How'd you guys do, Kelsey? Well, I won and was best condition. Yay! Congratulations. Thank you. You're now the reigning champion. Yes, uh, on the same mare that I rode this year, we also won in 2011. Oh, wow. Very. And that was the inaugural year. That was the first year, right? Yes, that was the first year. There wasn't quite as many of us then, but. Yes, so it was nice to go back again. I'd only been there a couple times because we're pretty busy. We have quite a few horses in training doing different races. So, And uh, now that you've won twice, are they kicking you out and saying, don't come back? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's a trophy hog, right, Annie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> well, Annie, how how did you do? Um, me and legs, we got six, and that was I was really happy about that. And we rode. I've never. I'm still. Um, I'm like the only one you can sign off at 14 after so many miles. Your parents can sign you off to ride by yourself, and I was. Right. I think the only one who I still am a junior. So that was the first ride I rode by myself ever, and I rode the last oh, wow. 20 miles by myself. Yeah. So. Awesome. All right. And how was it? Did you feel like freedom or were you scared? Uh, okay, so I was scared at first because my horse, leg, she pulses down like a rock. She pulses down really well. So I got, I rode the um, third loop with this uh, India Orino from Maine. She is super nice and I rode with her and I had a great time, but I was four minutes ahead of her. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to slow down at all. I'm just going to go the pace I want. And, it actually worked out really well. Legs was really relaxed, but yet willing to go, and she didn't spook at all. So, and it was like really nice having like the freedom of not having to worry about anybody else's speed, just going the uh, speed I wanted to go. So, and how nice. many how many riders were there? Fourteen. Uh, that's great, actually. That that that's a really good number. Now you can compete in young riders up to what age, uh, Kelsey? 21. 21, okay. It's from 14 to 21. I thought that was the case. Well, congratulations to both of you. I'm so excited that you got to do that in one of the most beautiful places in the country. So yes. there's that, too. And there, uh, Karen, have you ever been to Young Rider Championships? No, I haven't. You have never seen so many screaming teenage girls in your entire <laughs> life. There's uh, <laughs> a few boys. And a few boys, yeah, too. Few. Now, was it <laughs> going on the same time as, as uh, Briarfest? Yeah. It was. It was prior, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it started like Friday or Thursday, one of those days. It was a little bit crazy. Yeah. But. I mean, if you have Briarfest and Young Rider going on, wow. that's just nuts because thousands of people come to Briarfest. <laughs> oh, yeah. There were so many people stacking their cars up with the little Briar horses. It was crazy, <laughs> but. Uh, that's another thing. If you've never seen Briarface, it's something that you have to do. Uh, talk to the audience now. They have to go see it. It's just, you will see them walking out of there with 20 Briars. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> just the craziness. <laughs> These girls that go are not horse kids. They don't have horses. Yeah. They just have Briars. <laughs> 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 they paint them like real horses. <laughs> they do. They have little competitions, and they paint them. And we went the one year. They invited us to come out. We did a show there, and it I was just an. I was amazed at the number of people there. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, congratulations, guys. Good job, and uh, good luck the rest of the year. Thank All right. You. Thank you very much. They had to have been two of the most articulate teenagers we've ever had on the show. Aren't they great? They were terrific. <laughs> You know, every junior we've had on the show has been awesome. Yeah, that does. That's not always true. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, they were they were really good. Well, do uh, you think it's time? I think it's potato time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's been waiting for this, so we might as well give it to them. We managed to get this. We had to do this interview earlier, so. Uh, uh, I don't think Potato wanted to get up this early and talk to us on the West Coast. So uh, we, we managed to get this interview. And thank you for setting it up, Karen. I appreciate it. You want to just take a listen? Uh, do we have to introduce him? Why don't you introduce him? 
Well, Potato, he's now won the Tevis three times. He's earned 22 buckles, and he's going to tell us how he got started in endurance riding and a little bit about a mishap he had on the Pucker Point Trail. Well, good morning, Potato. Thank you for joining us, and a great big congratulations to you on your win at the 60th anniversary of the Tevis Cup. Thank you. You're welcome. Happy to be here. How are you feeling? I feel great. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. When did you get started endurance riding? Uh, in 1972, I was living at a place that was incredible in Sacramento called the Ranch Apartments, owned by Paige Harper, who had won the Tevis a couple of times, and he had nine buckles. Wow. And I saw that buckle. The ranch apartment was, he had the ranch house there as far as the ranch, and he had it on a 10-unit apartment building. He took each apartment was a two-bedroom unfurnished with a carport and uh, one slot, one pot, uh, stable in the barn. You had a ten-stall barn. Oh, yeah. cool! And an arena and everything. And we used to ride out of there over to the Horseman's Park over at Horseman's uh, Association, where we practiced and rode and so forth. So one day I saw that buckle of his and the, and the emblem on the back of his car. And I said, "What is that all about?" And he told me about the the tennis cup. I said, "I want to do that." <laughs> so <laughs> he helped me. I went out and bought a, a quarter, an Appaloosa he helped pick out for me from a guy named Ratsy Monero. And uh, Ratsy was a famous horse trader in those days. <clears throat> First time I got on the horse, he, he bucked me off right there in the barnyard. I got back on him and rode him around a little bit, and I liked him enough, so I bought him. Of course, we always buy the first one that bucks us off. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that was my first, and that so that was my first uh, uh, attempt at tennis. And that was my tennis was my first endurance ride. No, really? Uh Well, everything seemed easy after that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't easy because I rode at uh, at horses. His name was Bandit, and uh, he was he could detect an upgrade better than a civil engineer. (laughs) <laughs> he went, it was, everything about him was right his confirmation he went well he was easy ride uh, everything except for he was an Appaloosa that uh, didn't want to go uphill and, you know, they, just, they just don't quite have what it takes to uh, to do what I want to do so I, first year I rode and when we got down there at the suspension bridge and went up that uh, out of that canyon uh, he, he quit and I had to work him. I mean, I had to practically take his shoes off and carry him up that canyon with a devil's thumb. And when I got up there, I was I was pushed, beating that horse and getting him to go up the hill, you know. So they pulled me at devil's thumb, and I was so happy to be pulled, I couldn't believe it, because I didn't, I was, the horse wore me out. So I thought, well, he just needed more conditioning. So I, I, uh, Worked them even more. I worked there out of Paige Harper's place, and Paige and I would saddle, would drive up to Ruby Park, Ruby Point, rather than ride there and so forth. But after Tevis, I just rode. I kept riding and riding, and, and I went and did the VC 100. But that's the uh, I ride in Nevada, 100 miles mm-hmm. ride. And I ride rode that with him, and it took me 23 hours and 45 minutes, but I finished. Good. And, uh, and uh, so, and, and as I was, he went like mad until we got to uh, the first vet stop. We were in the top ten, I think. And we left there, and he looked up there and saw those Clark Mountains running out of, out of the 102 Ranch. And he said, 
look at that, five hills. I'm not going up there. <laughs> I fought him. Every, every one was a major battle. And uh, we got the top, he go down the other side, like the lickety split. But going up was a, tr- a problem. I remember one time up on the top of about the fourth hill, I'm sitting there resting on a rock, and I was exhausted from getting him to go up the hill. I mean, every 10 feet, he would stop. I would literally have to go back and push on him or beat him or whatever, get him to move. I'm sitting on a rock looking at him, and all of a sudden I hear the rattle, rattle, rattle. There's a rattlesnake sitting there. Wasn't oh, no. More than, oh, no. <laughs> wasn't more than a meter away from me. And I, I looked at the snake, and the horse looked at the snake, and, and I said, get him. <laughs> <laughs> About that time, I was ready to push the horse off the off the tent. <laughs> I was riding Paige Harper's uh, Steuben saddle, not Steuben, but a uh, McClellan saddle. I figured I'd take that saddle off and carry it down the hill and just knock this horse off the canyon. I was so tired of working with him. And along come Joel Giroux, who was riding uh, a uh, Appaloosa as well. And he and I got together and went on down the hill. At the bottom of that hill, that was the last one, was Ro Bailey. And uh, she was happy to see us. She was crewing for me. And she gave me a bottle of Four Roses. And Joel and I just started drinking on that Four Roses and took off and went the rest of the way and every now and then uh, we just he just went because there's no more hills like that you know so wait a minute I was going to ask you later on what the key to being a successful endurance rider is and you've answered bourbon Uh, it was four roses yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well that wasn't really the key that was the the key to surviving that day (laughs) anyway we ended up uh, it, it, it took all day 23 hours and 45 minutes so we finished and I was happy to do it. And so then I thought, well, I, you know, he, he still was not, I mean, 23 hours and 45 minutes is not a good ride, right? So I, I kept going with him, and I took him up to Cow Mountain, which is a 50-mile ride uh, in Ukiah, Michigan, or Ukiah, California, rather. And I rode him there, same thing. I, mean, I got down on the ground once and looked and, to see, and it didn't look like it was an upgrade, but it was. <laughs> he, he, he's not going to go. And that was it. I, I got to get rid of this horse. I sold him to a, a family as a trail horse. Uh, not an endurance horse, but it's a trail horse. And they were happy with him. But about a year or so later, Dr. Barshall called me up, and he said, or rather, uh, the people want to sell the horse, and, uh, and uh, the, the potential buyer who lives not far from here, now we're still good friends, they called Dr. Barshall, and they say, hey, we want to buy the Appaloosa that Potato was riding in... in uh, Tevis, what are you thinking? He said, oh, no, that's not a good endurance horse. But they bought him. <laughs> and it took them five attempts to get him through Tevis. But they finally did it. And then meanwhile, that was the end of Appaloosa for me. And I bought a mare named Eden's Kalana. Ro Bailey, who provided me with the uh, sustenance to finish the DC 100, which was my first 100-mile buckle, by the way, and my second endurance ride. Wow. Uh, she, she found a mare for me called Eden's Kalana. And that was my first uh, endurance horse, and she turned out to be the foundation stock for all the horses I've been breeding all these years. And she's awesome. She lived at age 34. We finished the Tevis in 1978, came across the finish line first. But because they were in groups of, two, of 10, two minutes apart, we ended up losing the ride by two minutes to Aww. Kathy Perry. Kathy Perry won. Anyway, that was, she turned out to be an uh, incredible horse. Well, tell us about the horse you rode this year. It was a grand, a grand, a great granddaughter of, of that mare. 
Philowet, who's out of Fia de Kelana, and of course Fia de Kelana is out of Fia, out of Akelana. So that's Philowet. She's uh, 14 years of age, and she's a she's a big mouse. She talks a lot, and she argues with me sometimes. But <laughs> so, uh, we get along just great. I love her. She gave, she gave me two two girls of hers. I have uh, Fia de Maison, who's uh, out of her by a horse named Abu Maison, who was a champion uh, horse in the, in the show ring, owned by the Gearhearts, Andy and uh, Joe, Joe and Judy Gearhart. So uh, that's, that's Pia de Maison. The other daughter of hers is owned by Margareta Doms, who was next door to me. I sold her to her a few years ago, and she loves her. She was uh, awesome. So that's that's Philoette. And she's the character. She's just as fun to ride as you can imagine. And how many times has she been through the Tavis? You know, I don't really know. She's done it a lot, a lot of times. Okay. And you've completed year, 22 times year, yourself? Yeah, 22 times. Okay. Last year, Philoette came in sixth place, ridden by a girl from Norway. And uh, a few years before that, she came in, no, the year before that, she came in seventh place by a girl from the Netherlands, okay. uh, Wilhelmina de Boer. And, and when uh, Lena from Norway rode her last year, she says, well, i got to be at least sixth place. And that's where she ended up, sixth place. <laughs> and uh, so a week after Tevis last year, after coming in sixth on, on Tevis, I took her over to the uh, High Sierra Classic, which was only a week later, and rode that right. ride with when we came in uh, third, and we, I, I firmly believe we had a good chance to win because I had a lot of horse, but the, the last 20 miles of that ride, I left the, the noon vet stop in, out front, but the trails were a little bit confusing because the cows were eating the, the ribbons. The ribbons, mm-hmm. Not that much heat up there, and they were chewing off the brush with the ribbons on it. So I was not sure where to go, and two ladies come, come out, and they knew the trail. The last half of the ride, we rode together. And I had so much horse, it was fun. They were nice riders, nice girls. And uh, uh, about two or three miles from the finish line, I, I still had plenty of horse, believe me. And and they knew that. They, they could see how she was going. And I could see that there was a three-way, it's going to be a three-way finish. So, so I said to those girls, I said, listen, ladies, uh, last week, you know, we did this Tavis Cup, and she came in six. So this is a 50-mile. We should come in third. So you two decide who's going to be first and second, and I'll be third. <laughs> and they did. They were happy to do that. And oh, good. One of, them, one of them got D.C., and the other one won. Oh, good. And so that was fun. So I knew I had plenty of horses. So this this year, a week before Tevis, two weeks before Tevis, I was going to do a 50-mile ride up in the Redwoods. And then things, there's time has interference with other things. I didn't do it. So the week before Tevis, which was two weeks ago, I went up to the Hag Creek Hustle and rode her on a 50 on Sunday, the Sunday before Tevis. And she was awesome. God, it was a fun ride. And uh, we won that and got best condition. So uh, do you know at a certain point, you've won so many races, do you know at a certain point that it's going well, I'm going to win this? No. No? No, not really. Well, yeah, you know, when I left the the quarry vet stop last week, Saturday night, uh, the, the only one horse was in, and when I left, there was no one out, and no one else had come in, and that horse wasn't saddling up, so 
So I thought, well, I got a few minutes on her for sure. And I didn't know she was not going to leave that vet stop. Uh-huh. So it's only six miles to go. You know, I got a good chance now of winning this. But you never know. I've seen horses come out of the dark, you know. And uh, so I just kept, I moved as quick as I did all day long, a steady pace. And uh, I went, I made it. It turns out that horse never left the vet stop. What? Is, how do so, you stay in shape? You're 72 or 3. I've seen different reports on that, two, by the way. Do you know how old you are? I'm only, I'm only 72. Uh, everybody has you at 73. They have you older than you are, actually. Potato. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so how, how, do you work out a lot or you just ride a lot? How no, do you stay in shape? I work out three, four times a week at the gym. And uh, that's about it. And I usually, my res- resume, normally, I like to be in a gym around 5 a.m. And uh, I could work out and then get on my day. I used to have a, a watch that has a timer on it, a little Sony watch, and I had it set for 5 a.m. When that went off, I wanted to be in the gym. And uh, sometimes they go off on the way to the gym, but I, I generally made it by 5 a.m., sometimes wow. a little earlier. So. And I still do that. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm a little upset right now because I haven't been in the gym since last Friday morning. And that's because <laughs> I had a little bit of a... A rough weekend. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, and the only the only rough part of the whole day was getting around a dead tree that was across the trail. I climbed up around it, and I ended up falling and slipping. I fell a good uh, a good twenty twenty five feet. Oh, wow. Slid down at a steep angle, rolling down the hill. Was that just before? Point. Was that just before Pucker Point? It was just before the Pucker Point. Pucker yeah, Point. I remember that tree. <laughs> That tree was something, and I'll tell you what, uh, I was hurting. When I rolled down that canyon, I, I, if it hadn't been for the trail, the land on the trail and rolling off the other side, I, could, I would have been. I had visions of the last of my, of my demise. I really did. Wow. And uh, I was so out of breath, I couldn't ride. I got, and my mare was standing. I had to go around that stump. I went up above the, to go around it, and uh, when I got up there, I tripped and fell. That's when I come down, and I fell on the ended up on the trail. I finally got up and she was up there looking down at me. She said, I'm not coming down there. That's too steep. <laughs> it was steep. I finally oh, got my reins that were hanging down on the ground from her and, and dragged her down. She came down once I tugged on her. But I couldn't ride for quite a while. I walked quite a distance. I was so out of breath I couldn't get on the horse. Oh, wow. Once I got on her, we took off. I got to Deadwood and no one had arrived yet and I was ready to leave Deadwood. That's check when heart riders started coming in. That's how much lead I had on him. And wow. uh, I didn't feel any pain. I was just at the adrenaline, you know. Uh-huh. So I felt pretty good. As I was leaving dead was one rider, number four, who came in second, by the way. Uh, she was ready to leave, too. And she Somehow she got bedded through, and she was ready to leave. And I took off, and I never looked back, and I thought she was right behind me. But I rode that whole canyon across the suspension bridge. I went through the river. I didn't go across the bridge. Mm-hmm. I went across the river and up the other side. I got almost the devil's thumb. And three or four switchbacks down, I saw her. I thought, oh, darn sakes. Uh-huh. There she is. And I just squeezed Phil up, and she just tried a little faster. And we went into uh, the dev- to, at devil's thumb. Got a drink of water and had a couple of drinks of water myself. And left there and went over to... To, uh, from Devil's Thumb to uh, Deadwood, and we were uh, leaving Deadwood when she came in. Okay. What time we had? We recovered. I took her saddle off, checked through, and bedded through. 
put the saddle back on. I was about to leave when I saw her come in. Mm. And I left. I never saw her again. I think the next time I saw saw her was, uh, was oh, maybe out of Forest Hill. All right, Potato, before we run out of time, I got two questions that the listeners wanted to know that they sent me requests for, okay? Uh, the first is, how the heck did you get the name? And I think there's a lot of people want to know that, so... Uh, well, my brother Cabbage picked it out, I think. But he says it was Onion. But when I was born, Onion wasn't at home, so it had to be Cabbage. <laughs> my father's name, all the boys got vegetables from middle names. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's really yeah. your middle name? Yeah. Oh. Cool. And the girls were named Flowers, so it's not a big deal. Okay, so tell us what, what, what are all the names. It wasn't a big deal to me. I grew up that way. I never knew any different. Right, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, tell us what all the, all the names are of your brothers and sisters. Oh, God. It's, uh, well, there's, uh, the oldest boy is Onion. Onion and then ca- Cabbage and Rutabaga and myself and Carrot. Huh. And, and the girls were Flowers. But, you know, that's not the, such a big deal. It's just... People, you know, if you go to a foreign country, they don't think it's unusual. Right. Uh-huh. Well, the Terre and Farnes and Gar- Garfunk- Garfunkel in uh, Germany and uh, so forth. It's not a big deal. Well, the, the other name. the other listeners want to know, Potato, and this is your fellow competitors. Actually, a couple of them have uh, requested this: is when you're going to retire so they can finally win something. They want to know. <laughs> Retire? I never, I've never had a job. <laughs> I had a job once. It was the worst day of my life. And, and I, I, I never thought about retirement. I don't even know what that means, quite frankly. Because anyone who, people, have, they have a job of 40, 40, 40, they retire from that, but they still have work. You know, There's no such thing as retirement, really. It's a, it's a state of mind. It's just like age. Age is just a number. Because someone is 72 doesn't mean they're old. That's just a number. How old are you in your body and how old is your mind? Mm -hmm. I I think that answers the question. And the answer is you guys are going to have to put up with potato for a long time to come. So Let me me tell you, I have a little filly who's out of Philouette. No, she's out of Fifi, who won the Tevis 10 years ago. And every one of these horses, I've carried them in my arms the day they were born. Fifi won the Tevis 10 years ago, and I bred her to Garcon. Who finished Tevis third place, and he's a Mesotel grandson. When he was born, by the way, the mare laid down to have him. He didn't come out. She got moved around, and, and that was Fifi, or Fia, rather. She's out of Garcon is out of Fia. She laid down on both sides. He wouldn't come out. She got walked over by the fence and stood there in the fence, and, and he came right out while she was standing up into my arms, and I bred him to. Uh, the PP and the and the full from that is called Philant. Philant Dior out of Fifi Dior. Philant is so incredible, I can't believe it. I wanted to ride her Saturday. But you know, I'd already set up to ride Philouette and she was ready to go. And Fifi, Philant has not done a hundred mile ride yet. But she is just so awesome. I can't, I get goosebumps riding her. She's like her mother and her father and the rest of her. So you can imagine her bloodlines. She is lined up for Tevis next year. Oh, good. So you've got horses lined up for a while, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I got plenty. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> I, got, I still got a nice daughter of, of Philouette that is just awesome to ride. And, uh, and I got another mare who's a very, the mare I went on a few years back named Fayette, the Shaggy mare. I have another one very similar to her. She, that, that mare, was, by the way, was out of a, a horse I bought from Gearhart's. 
and by Garcon, or by Oman, who's the sire of Garcon, too. And uh, I have a full sister to that to that mare. Not a full sister, a half-sister to that mare I went on, the Shaggy mare. And her name is Sia, La Princesa Sia. She's a Shaggy. And uh, she's only seven years old. And God, she's awesome. I haven't met her, haven't met her back yet. Well, it's Potato, we... We're just about out of time, and I just want to thank you again for coming on the show and talking to us, and, and congratulations again. Well, thank you. And by the way, I, I didn't go to, to ride Saturday to win. I just rode to get the best ride I had. Well, you had a really good ride. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I, I could write a book on that experience. You should. You should, Potato. Why haven't you written a book yet? <laughs> I'm, I'm working on one. Oh, good. 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 Yeah, and I my book, I plan to have it out by before Christmas. Well, you let us know when it's done, and we'll have you back on, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. I've got a full team of uh, of people help me write the book, a biographer and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I can't wait to read this Good. one. I'm, I'm seriously working on it every day. I spend at least an hour. Oh, great. Wow. Well, that'll be fun. I can't that'll wait. Be, yeah. You let meeting, us know. I'm we'll sure. have you back on at the holidays, and we'll talk about it. Hey, I'd be happy to be there. And then, you know, you can't... Karen, I watch for you on the trail, but I don't have eyeballs in the back of my head. Oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't see anybody behind me. Oh, yeah, I don't look around that way. Oh, that's a slam, know? Karen. Yeah, it was a slam. <laughs> that's okay. No, no, I just, you know, I just don't look behind me. I just keep going and do the best I can with what I got. <laughs> I don't look back either. <laughs> no. You got to keep there's looking forward. You got to look where you're going. There's something negative about looking back. Never look back. Always look to the future. <laughs> so many takeaways from that, Karen, but I am definitely <laughs> keeping that quote around for our future episodes. <laughs> Just thought you'd know, I'd let you know that. That's not going anywhere. It's <laughs> right here in my little quote file. Well, you know, here's a guy who gets to a point in the trail where there's an obstacle, so he goes around it uh, and falls down the hill um, and uh, the, you said that where he fell, if he had kept going, we wouldn't have been talking to him. Right. It's a big, huge drop because you're at the top of what is called Pucker Point, and it um, has that name for a reason. <laughs> Jeez. So here he is, 72 years old. He falls down the hill. His horse won't even go down. And <laughs> then he's so, I mean, he's so beat up after that, he walks a good distance and still freaking wins the thing. So it's just, his horses must be incredible as far as recovery and everything are concerned. They're very tough horses. Absolutely. He's bred- Any horse that gets through that course is tough. <laughs> he's bred himself some, uh, some good little horses there. It sounds like he has a few more to come too. <laughs> he's not done. Not done with that at all. Well, nope. that was a fun interview. I, you know, I've done a lot of interviews. What we've done over six thousand interviews now, and uh, pot- potato was one of the the most fun. I would say for me as an interviewer, uh, just because you're going to get what you get with potato. <laughs> <laughs> Good guy. So, anyway, thanks for joining us, potato. We really appreciate it. Well, we have some more guests coming up. You're not done yet. We're not. We have Lisa Schneider and Monica Chapman, both from the AERC, and they're stopping by to tell us about the AERC Trailmaster program and the Trail Grants program, and also about a fall membership special. 
Welcome to the show. We have Monica Chapman and Lisa Schneider from the AERC who are going to talk to us today about some of the things going on with the AERC. Welcome to the show, girls. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Monica, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about the AERC Trails Grant Program. Okay, I am the AERC Trails and Land Manager Committee Chair. And one of the programs that AERC has is trails grants that are uh, given out with money donated by our members. And so you got to think about when you're renewing your membership every year, there's that option to donate to trails, and this is where your money goes. And most of the grants are in the $5,000 range or under. This year we have... Um, approved $16,250 worth of trails grants, and that has gone to four different groups all across the United States. We have a grant in California, Virginia, Texas, and North Carolina, so we highly encourage everybody to submit grants. Most of them are for materials, equipment rental, um, paying um, for some help sometimes in certain situations. There's um, just a, a wide variety of things that you can apply for. And all the forms and the paperwork is on the AERC website under the Trails tab. And that is AERC.org? Yes. Okay, Lisa, tell us about the trail grant that went to the Cash Creek um, ride? Well, the, the ride has been quite popular in the past. They needed to extend a couple of the trail loops so they didn't have to do an out-and-back course. And the ride management team is uh, the Stally family, and they have a very close relationship with the BLM who manages the land there. It's a, a park. And we partnered with them. We got them a trails grant of about $3,000. They got two trail masters involved who are the specially trained trail designers. And that enabled the BLM to approve matching funds. So all of this culminated in their May endurance ride. They had 156 riders and about another dozen ride-and-tie competitors. So it was very, very successful. And I, I don't think it could have happened quite the same way and, and quite as successfully without the, the Trails Grant. Monica, tell us a little bit about the Trail Master. Um, how, how does that work, and how does it benefit the AARC? The Trailmaster courses are taught by Mike Ryder of Trail Design Specialists in Georgia. And the way it works is um, you can also go to AERC.org under the Trails tab, and it has the step-by-step -step instructions on how to um, go about starting a class, and they would contact me about that. But a Trailmaster class is kind of similar to hosting an endurance ride. You find a location you that you can build some new trail and fix some existing trail, and it's a four-day class, and in the mornings you spend time in the classroom 
going over trail maintenance, how to lay out a sustainable trail. And then towards the end of the four days, then you actually go out and you have a full day work day. And so what it's teaching you is how to, you know, see if it's a properly laid out trail, how to fix issues with the trail, how to lay out new trail, and to become a trail crew leader so you can be out there overseeing other people. The classes, uh, AERC will pay for half the tuition of an AERC member and the expenses. AERC is also paying for two land managers of the host choice. Um, which the host is an AERC member, and um, the classes can have up to 16 members or people in it. And um, the, like I said, the donations can also go to help the trail master classes. And in 2016, we're going to have a class March 31st through April 3rd at Elkins Horse Creek Camp in Pedro, Ohio. And Molly Cromwell-Smith is the host on that one. And that is in the Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia corner. And then on July 21st through 24th of 2016, there's a travel master class in Silver Falls State Park, Silverton, Oregon. And it's sponsored by PNER. And Carlene Benson is the contact person. And that's just a little bit south of Portland, Oregon. Great, great. That sounds like a terrific program. <clears throat> okay, Lisa, let's move on to the fall special for uh, the membership special for new members with AERC. Tell us about that. Uh, this is actually a really great bargain. Uh, if you join now, you get all the rest of 2015, which goes to the uh, end of November, and all of 2016. And that's just $88.75. So it's it's a, a really good savings. And we had several hundred people take advantage of it last year. So we're offering it again this year. Terrific. And tell us again the website. AERC.org. And we appreciate the AERC being part of the show and being now the title sponsor of the endurance episode here on Horses in the Morning. Well, Karen, you're looking for you now. You got Tevis behind you. You guys have to look forward to a. You know, you're so used to going a hundred miles, but you're going to be <laughs> going five miles in probably and getting more exposure than you ever have ever and that of course is in the Rose Bowl parade coming up here on January 1st in Pasadena, California. And you guys are getting ready, I assume, it's your first time as an endurance group heading out there and 5 miles. I mean, you could do the parade, uh, you know, if you figure it out, you could probably do it uh to to uh 20 times. So <laughs> you could just go round 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 round. What do you think? We could you know, we could pass everybody up and top 10 that thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they would appreciate that. Yeah, so that's just... <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, that'll be the slowest five miles any of us have <laughs> ever, ever ridden in our lives. <laughs> and there's a lot of stopping in parades, too. Now, the Rose Parade keeps it going, but there's still some stopping. You know, the bands do their thing, and then the floats, you know, have troubles. And so we've done parades before, and you're, you're, you spend it's what seems like an inordinate amount of time just standing still. So let's exactly, hope. and all this, all the staging, we're going to be just yes. It takes, I understand, it takes like five to seven hours altogether to do the parade, to do that five miles. There are going to be some very <laughs> confused Arab horses that day, going. Why are we going? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong? I know. Well, That's fortunately, like they're all getting their parade practice in and and getting some experience, so that they'll be ready to deal with it. it it's going to be just an incredible opportunity for us and we get to show the whole world you know endurance riding as a sport and which is awesome be decked out in your outfits looking cool oh, so. i know with our little flowers on our ponies and uh, yeah it's i'm kind of worried that my horses are going to want to start eating, eating the flowers, the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be used to going that long without a vet check <laughs> i'm sure that that's not the first time horses have eaten flowers in the rose parade either so, I'm sure. So now, are the sure. pre- how are the preparations going? You guys, uh, are you all coming? Where are you all coming from, anyway? Um, most of the group is in Southern California. And then we have, I believe, seven of us from Northern Nevada and Northern California, right up here in my area. So, and, and it's a total of 25 of us. And we are looking for a couple more large trailers. We need to trailer the horses on actually it's new year's eve the night before and they need to camp out along with most of us on the side of the freeway overnight in order to stage in the morning so we need a couple more large trailers so that we have you know fewer rigs going um and so we need to kind of maximize the amount of space that they're going to allow us to have so we do need a couple more stock trailers if anybody's listening or can maybe recommend somebody or knows of somebody that might have a larger trailer that can haul several horses at one time, um, we'd appreciate it. Just please get in touch with me or leave a message on uh, the Facebook page and um, we'll get in touch. And it's Karen at horseradionetwork.com too. So now mm-hmm. you, um, so, so where the trailers need to be, you know, where do they start? <gasps> Well, I believe we're going to be at the um, L.A. Equestrian Center, which I think is in Burbank. I've never been there, okay, so, so I'm not entirely converge, sure. Yeah, you're going to converge on there, and then they'll need the trailer trailers to go from there to the parade site. Right. Okay. I believe it's around 9 o'clock on New Year's Eve that we'll load up the horses and take them to the freeway, which part of which is going to be closed. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to and, say, for everybody's and, sake, the California <laughs> freeway is closed. So, yeah, for the parade. <laughs> yes. And then that's where they kind of stage us and line all of the participants up. And then we attempt to sleep. I'm sure it's going to be a lot like Tevis. Yeah, you're not getting where sleep. We're not going to be getting <laughs> any sleep. <laughs> No, you're not. That's okay. Tevis was good practice. <laughs> for the so Rose exci- I am so excited for you guys. I actually talked to the Victorian Roses yesterday. We had an interview with them for the driving show, and they're a group that's been in that parade many, many, many times. And they they dress up all Victorian ladylike and and ride and drive. And uh, you might have seen them there before. And I said, "Are you going to be in the parade this year?" And they said, "No, uh, there's some other group in." And I said, "I think I know what group that was." But <laughs> <laughs> they'll be back. 
Tech. <laughs> so uh, well, very good. I think that's a very exciting, and we're so excited to see you guys in the parade, and we'll be at home cheering on our TV sets. Yay! That'll be fun. Well, we are, uh, I think we're about going to wrap it up here. We've had quite a show you put together here today between the girls uh, over at Young Riders and Potato and, and everybody else that joined us today. We really appreciate that. And, you know, Karen, thank you so much again for continuing to, you know, hang in there. I think we had told you we wanted to try this for a year. How many years has it been? I believe we're going on our third year. Yeah. This month or next month. And see, the yeah. thing is, see, that's what I do. Uh, Reese over at the uh, dressage show, I said, Reese, just do it for three months. I just need somebody to fill in. It's been three years for her, too. Um, and oh, good. See, see, what happens is I just get you guys to start, and then you, you forget to quit. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's what it is. You guys just keep doing it and going, well, you know, I'll just do it another month. And then it's three years later, and we're still doing it. And you still, Well, that's great. And, I, yeah, it is. I mean... And, and, it's been very well received. The endurance show episode is one of the most popular ones. It's always in the top five of the episodes we do every month. So that's great. And the Horse Radio Network is doing really well too, isn't it? Yeah, we're we're very proud. I know the regular listeners, your endurance listeners, might not know this, but uh, we're now in the top five of all uh, uh, podcasting networks in the world. Not just we're the top horse one, but. Um, I just went to the national or to the biggest conference for podcasters in the world and uh, was talking to everybody and they were quite impressed with, with the number of episodes we've done and you know, the number of, I mean, we've interviewed over 6,000 guests. That's just crazy. It is. I feel educated because, you know, I do about half the shows and I've interviewed probably three or 4,000 people and, you know, I'm just a horse husband out here doing it, but I probably know a little bit more than most horse husbands just by all the interviews and stuff I've done. Uh, and it's been fun. I mean, it's been a fun ride. We, we're we so proud of what we've built with your help and with the listeners' help and with the sponsors' help, you know, people like the AERC. And, of course, you know, we've had some great sponsors from the beginning here on uh, mm-hmm. on the Endurance episode with Distance Depot. And Renegade's been with us since the beginning, and we couldn't do the shows without all of our sponsors that really make this work. And, you know, they believed in us when it when we weren't as big. You know, and now that now that we are, they're still along for the ride, and we really appreciate it. Definitely. And thank you, Karen, for putting these shows together every month. They're always a lot of fun. I always look forward to getting together with you and talking endurance, even though I've probably never ridden more than two miles in my life. So <laughs> I've driven a lot more than that, but not ridden more than that. So I know, isn't to- it fun though? It's there's so many great people out there to talk to. There is, and you know, I want to do endurance driving one of these days. That's what I'm hoping I can get. Uh, get Scooter up to is some uh, distance, although Scooter gets tired after about half a mile, so he still isn't convinced of it yet. <laughs> We're working on that. We're working on Good. endurance driving. And I really hope that endurance driving, we have to spend a little bit more time on that over the next year, because I really okay. want to promote it, and I really hope it starts to take off, because I really think it's a cool thing. Although you think you need space for endurance riding, endurance driving's worse, because you need a bigger track, right? So uh, right. that's even worse to try and put together, but I really hope it does take off a little more than it has over the next year. I'm looking forward to working with you is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, me too. We haven't run out of guests, right? We still have some more endurance people to talk to. Oh, there's a lot more. Every And it's just that everybody's been so gracious about sharing their time and, and you know, doing the interviews with us. It's been a lot of fun. And some of them really, really, really early in the morning. So we appreciate that too. <laughs> 
Well, thank you, Karen. We'll talk to you again next month. What's coming up on the calendar? Well, there's rides all over the country. Go to aercaonline.org or just aerc.org and click on the ride calendar and you can pull up rides in your area to either volunteer or to attend if you're ready to compete. But a great way to get started in the sport is to go find a ride close to you and go check it out and volunteer. All right, very good. And of course, you can reach Karen at Karen at HorseRadioNetwork.com. And you can find all of our past episodes that we have done here on Endurance. Just go to HorsesInTheMorning.com and in the search bar up the upper right-hand corner, just put uh, Endurance in there and it'll pull up all the past episodes we've done. You can listen to them all the way back many, many years. And you can listen to all the past episodes of Horses in the Morning all the way back. Of course, we're here Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 9 to 10.30. Tomorrow, Jamie will be back and we'll be doing another fun show here on Horses in the Morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. And of course, don't forget, we have eight other shows on the Horse Radio Network. You can listen to them all on our app iPhone or Android, go to your app store and search for Horse Radio Network. It's free, it's easy, it's the simplest way to listen to the recorded versions of our shows. See you next month, Karen. I'll see you next month, Glenn. Oh, wait a minute. Let me just play it one more time. I watch for you on the trail, but I don't have eyeballs <laughs> in the back of my head. <laughs> Had to do it. <laughs>